You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Welcome to another episode of Intellectual Erection. I'm your host, Patrick. And today, I'm speaking with Lulu. I let it, let it rip, like, in front of um, my teachers. This is another episode brought to you by Quarantine, or where we'll be living for the next little while. Stay at home is the point. Anyway, this episode, we talk about sex work at the intersection of Tourette syndrome and a little bit of obsessive compulsive disorder and how sex work has been a liberating factor in being able to deal with some of the symptomology from Lulu's experience. I also want to take this time to say that freelancers and people like sex workers do not have an income during this period, and some of them don't qualify either for EI or for the COVID relief fund. So please go out there, support these people, you know, pay for their content because they're all going to be producing stuff online. Speaking of which, I want to give a shout out to JP for becoming a patron and supporting this podcast. And as always, listen, subscribe, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with Lulu. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, let's find out for the listeners what it is that you do. Um, so I started off as a cam model on my free cams, and then I transitioned to video and also working at a spa. <laughs> what kind of spa? Um, it's an erotic uh, body slide, body rubbing massage spa. So, um, not your typical RTM. Uh, you're kind of like in lingerie, and you. Right. Um, so the erotic massage. Yes. Parlors. <laughs> yes. And you certainly know and have worked with a lot of the people that I've already interviewed. Yeah. So there is there's some interesting overlap there. Yes. But. We're specifically here to talk about the intersections of sex work Mm -hmm. and Tourette's, Tourette's syndrome. So this is not the first time that I've had somebody with a disability Mm -hmm. and who's also a sex worker to be on the show. So before we dive into that territory. Yeah. So at the moment you're working where? Sorry. I'm working at Flirt spa so and i'm also uh doing some video work as well on my free cam share and only fans okay so you have a bunch of avenues that you're working in right now yes yes and yeah before we dive into the intersections of your sex work and the tourettes there is something that i typically do on the show which is i ask the origin story and it's a two-parter okay so i'll ask basically if you remember the first time that you 
as a child encountered sex or sexuality in the world somehow first time you hmm. noticed it came across it um I'm trying to think, like, I guess I had, like, the birds and the bees talk with my parents at a very young age, I guess, because they wanted to tell me first um, what happened. Uh, I remember them telling me, like, what happened, like, oh, like, in order to make a baby, you put, like, the penis inside the vagina and, you know, then ejaculation happens <laughs> and uh yeah that's um like how a baby's made and i was like oh so you only do it for like five minutes right and my parents were like oh well sometimes longer you know and i was like oh okay so i only remember like me being like surprised that you would do that for more than like two to three minutes um but yeah like i just remember like honestly sex being a pretty much open conversation in my house. Um, however, porn was always something that was so bad. Like, it was, like, the worst thing in the world. So, yeah. But how did you know that it was so bad? Um, my, my mom, she... I think she's, like, very, very, very left-side politics. So she's under the impression that um, all porn is violence against women you know what i mean so on far right it's like oh it's a it's a religious thing but on far left it can be like oh having um porn is degrading it's only for the man there's no women that want to watch porn it's ruining men's sex life um it's like creating a internet porn addiction guys aren't gonna be able to find what they want in an actual person so yeah that was always something that was drilled into my head actually from a very young age so I think with that came a fascination <laughs> right so I think what you're describing there is a sort of radical feminism that yeah. is inclined towards sex negativity yes so it's one aspect of the sort of porn wars if you will yeah but yeah, I, I'm certainly familiar with that. And then obviously the the backlash from the other feminists who are like, no, this is a place where we need to, you know, retake the market and own it. And we are allowed to sexualize our bodies if we want to. Exactly. As long as it's empowering. Yes. So I take it you're on the other side of where your mama was. Um. Yeah. So in high school, like, I thought oh yeah like porn's bad and I always was like I'll never date a guy who watches porn and all that stuff and I knew that was like obviously well now I know that's obviously like not a thing um but I was like yeah I could never date or marry a guy who watches porn porn is cheating all this like I had all these ideas in my head but um and now here you are making it yeah <laughs> exactly and like my partner is like involved in porn, like we did a double hand job with Lola, and I don't consider that cheating whatsoever. So yeah, it's just funny how things can change. And like I'm only 23, but I was like, until I was 19, I had that idea in my head that you know, guy, your partner watching porn was cheating and porn's bad and all that stuff. So. Wow, so you had this like weird kind of 
view of pornography and sex work up until 19 and then what happened what made the switch um so it actually like comes into my disability um i've always struggled with uh ocd and very light version of tics however it was managed i don't know how i managed it so well but i was like in dance and stuff and i was like eating very healthily and all this i don't know i was just able to manage it very well but um i went away to university and one day um it was like a light switch turned in my brain i was completely bedridden with like ocd i had to ticks like so bad I thought I was having a seizure but it was just Tourette's um but I had never experienced any ticks like that so it was just so bad and um I had to take a break from school and I couldn't work so I was looking for other avenues to kind of make myself independent and I watched a documentary called Hot Girls Wanted um, I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's I have. On, I think it was on Netflix, right? It was on Netflix. Yeah. I think it still is. Um, and they were doing porn and they were also camming and all this stuff. And I became very fascinated. I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's something that, you know, I can do from home. And I just turned on the webcam. I'm 18, 19. So uh, let's see, like, where this takes me. So... I think it was a thing of convenience at the time because I had spent six months bedridden and being basically spoon-fed by my parents, like unable to do anything. And then, um, yeah, I wanted to move out eventually. And I was like, I think this is the way that I can do it because I don't have any education. This is the only at-home job that makes sense. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a it's a really big, I guess, cognitive leap to go from uh, from yeah. this complete belief that sex or porn or you know mm -hmm. like the porn industry is this like evil thing, and yeah. then to be able to to jump in and do it. Was there anything that kind of flipped that switch, or was it just being in that situation? It was a lot just being in that situation, but. I think at the time I was starting to, like, I was in university, so I was being exposed to a lot of, like, different ideas, ideals yeah. than my own, and um, I just, I think just maturing, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't so bad, like, maybe this isn't super bad, because everyone watches porn, like, I had a boyfriend at the time, he's not he's my ex now I would like watch porn and I'd be like I don't consider this cheating like I wouldn't be mad if my partner was doing this and I just started watching it and kind of like seeing that the girls didn't seem to be abused I also started like watching a lot of documentaries about how girls are treated in the porn industry obviously there is cases of human trafficking that we can't ignore them, but a lot of, like, all the people that I know want to do it because they want to do it. Like, it's not an inherently bad thing if it's done properly, you know? Right. Yeah. So you found that sense of empowerment, otherwise, mm -hmm. that you didn't believe could be there until mm -hmm. you explored it a little bit mm -hmm. and figured, hey, you know what, this maybe isn't so disempowering as I've been made to believe. Exactly. And, in fact, the opposite, like 
so empowering yeah <laughs> and we'll get to that yeah so the second part of the origin question then yes. is how you became involved and i think we kind of touched on it a little bit yeah. how you became involved with the sex positive communities yeah by which i mean i don't know what else you're a part of other than sex work but when i say mm -hmm. sex positive communities i mean like polyamory mm -hmm. kink bdsm fetish and sex work okay um so I I was in a very long relationship with um like a high school sweetheart and we were very like conventional, you know, like very vanilla. Um I remember like one time I was like, "Oh yeah, I want you to like buy lube so I can give you a hand job with lube." And that was like really Ooh. like freaky. I was like 18 and I thought it was like so like you know, I don't know. I was just like weird and then um so wait had you had sex at that point or no yeah okay i had i i lost my virginity kind of young too so it's i don't know like all my relationships were very like okay we're going to have sex now in missionary position and like it nothing like freaky um but then i don't even know like i think me and that relationship, we kind of got into this thing where we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids. We're going to do this. And I actually moved in with him. And then I met my current partner. And this is, like, shameful. But, um, like, I ended up cheating on my high school sweetheart um, because just the attraction to this, like, new guy was, like, so much. And, like me and this other partner had stopped having sex completely and then um me and my current partner um my fiance actually oh. um yeah <laughs> we uh we just had this like undeniable connection like sexually that i've never experienced before um but we were like so in sync um he expressed a fetish that I'm not going to share on here. It's just personal for him. It's okay. his story to tell. Um, but I started kind of like looking into it and um, entertaining that fetish. And it kind of slowly started from him. So I left the old relationship. And then um, when I started with my current partner, it was just a very sexual relationship to begin with. And then we just started exploring like more and more things and he was the person where I started to be like you know what I think that telling him not to watch porn on his specific fetish is controlling I think that it's wrong of me like I noticed kind of like some behaviors that were maybe borderline not abusive but in the realm of controlling like oh you're not allowed to look at other girls doing this fetish you're not allowed to do this and then I'd be like wait a minute that's I feel like uh, not right so I started to kind of like hang back on that and I became you know lenient in my definition and just like yeah I don't I don't mind if you watch porn and he was very honest like oh yeah I do watch porn like he wasn't hiding it behind my back like other guys did like lying about it and yeah eventually it turned into like one um one New Year's Eve we had an orgy <laughs> uh 
And then, yeah, we started, like, going to Oasis because uh, my cousin worked there. It was, like, a while before we convinced ourselves to go, but... Your cousin works there, eh? Yeah. My cousin works there. <laughs> I think we know C-C. your cousin. Yeah. Shout out to Cecilia Morell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it was, like, just a slow transition, and then I kind of started learning more about, um, you know, different... BDSM, fetish, kink communities, and all that stuff, and polyamory. One of my, well, Lola's polyam- polyamorous, and uh, one of my best friends from my whole hometown is polyamorous as well. And uh, yeah, no, like I just started like accepting other ways of. Is that something that you practice, or is that just something that you kind of uh, polyamory? Yeah. Um, my partner and I are, we consider ourselves to be monogamous, even though I work in the industry. Right. Um, however, I don't know. We were trying to like label it the other day, but we can never like think of anything like light swingers. <laughs> like, I, I'm not there, sure. Okay. So there, there are a few categories. I mean, yeah. There, there's open relationships. No. There's monogamish. We would, yeah. <laughs> Where you're allowed to kind of like play outside of the relationship. There's also soft swinging, which is like everything but penetration and you do it together. Yeah. And then there's regular swinging where it's like swapping partners for sex. And then there's, yeah, there's polyamory where it's having multiple partners, relationships, and emotional connections. Um, Basically, I would say what we are like... Anything goes for business. Um, it's not like a romantic relationship by any means. Um, if he has to be sucked off by another girl in a porno, like that's fine with me because he has his own things that he does. If um, like I work at a spa, so you know things happen. I give hand jobs for a living, so it's uh, <laughs> a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I give hand jobs for a living, so. You know, it doesn't go beyond that. Um, but, you know, if um, I'm not close to the idea of, like, another girl having, like, penetrative sex with my partner um, in in a business sense or even in, like, a, a play sense. A play scenario, yeah. Um, I don't think he would necessarily like me to have penetrative sex with another guy. However... That's not really something I want to do <laughs> anyway. Like, I just, um, yeah, like, other guys can watch and admire and right. whatever. But um, I tend to be, I like, the female, female, male threesome, menage a trois. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so yeah. you guys have negotiated certain boundaries that yeah. make sense to you in your relationship. Yeah, exactly. So... Monogamish, monogamish, light, light swinger, maybe yeah, somewhere somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not necessary to to really label it yeah. as long as you know you have your own boundaries, mm-hmm. you respect each other, yeah. and follow through with your ethics. Mm-hmm, exactly. So now let's get on to what we're here to talk about. Yes. The intersection of sex work and Tourette's syndrome. Yeah. So the first thing that I will say is I think that. 
the listeners right now mm-hmm. were probably expecting the typical thing when they hear Tourette's. Yes. So what most people, when they think of Tourette's, they're going to think... Swearing. Uh, yeah, they're going to think of corpolalia, which is one symptomology of Tourette's, which is mm-hmm. basically pr- using profanity, yeah. you know, without the ability to, to kind of control it. Mm-hmm. And then there's what some people call tics. Yeah. Or hyperkinesis, which is just like exaggerated movements and involuntary movements that happen. So You know more about this than me, to be honest. <laughs> teach about some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a wide range of symptomology for Tourette's. Yeah. And it's unlikely that two people with Tourette's would look anything alike in their symptoms but the ones that most people identify are specifically the people with Tourette's that have noticeable tics ongoing tics Mm -hmm. and corpolalia the the use of profanity yeah so if anybody listening knows of like sweet Anita online she's become a huge sort of phenomenon in the gaming online gaming live streaming stuff because she has corpolalia so she will say all sorts of profane things that are really entertaining and then she has stories about how like her tics are also manifested in really inappropriate ways she mentioned like if people bend over in front of her she gets this urge to spank them in the bum and she has (laughs) yeah so uh yeah i think that's generally what people expect Mm -hmm. so then in your experience what has tourette's been like for you living with tourette's um so when i was a kid um, I remember the first time I ever experienced a Tourette's urge was when I was seven years old. I didn't go to church or anything except for one time, this one time on Christmas Eve. And I had the urge to doing this with my eyes, keeping them open, like open, like I don't even know what it was, but I kept doing it. And in pictures of that night, you can see me like with my eyes just like looking crazy like and that was like my parents were like are you okay like are you fine how old were you yeah i was seven seven years old so for those of you listening who obviously can't see what's going on yeah lulu is using her hands to kind of widen her eyes right yeah it's almost to try to like force them open so imagine this scene from maybe clockwork orange where (laughs) where you have those like uh, that device holding somebody's eyes open. So you were doing that with your hands. I was doing it with my hands, and I would also do this one that involved my tongue. So like the expression was like, and it like would like open my eyes more. I know that's really stupid, but like I just had to do it. Like I just like I I guess I technically could control it, but it was just like this urge that was almost like it was painful. Like it was just like a pressure behind my eyes. Like there was no getting around it and the only way that I could relieve this sense of pressure was by doing the act doing the act exactly and before that um I had OCD um so I was very afraid of throwing up so I would have rituals that I would do that I thought even though I knew it wouldn't um that would stop me from throwing up like I would only eat certain foods or I would um wear certain colors blah 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 so I had issues since I was four however when I turned when I was around seven eight is when the tics actually started so I went to the doctor and um they're like oh 
it's just she's a sensitive child. Kids have ticks and they grow out of it. So, you know, I kept being taken to the doctor because I would have these episodes that would last a few weeks and then would kind of simmer down. But it was often when I was sick or um, had a stressful event. So if I ever got like strep throat or like ear infections, these ticks would come out or like stuffy nose, like anything. Um, These ticks would come out and the OCD would come out and then it would go away and then it would come back and then it would go away. So um, anytime that I was like put on a wait list for help for my Tourette's, by the time that I um, got got to see the psychologist my tics would be gone and for a kid to explain what you're feeling at 78 years old is very difficult so there's not a lot of help that can be right so they would use uh, normally like the method of observation to have to witness you doing the tick in order for them to believe you because as a kid you don't really know what's going on why you feel this way you don't understand words like anxiety and no. and why that builds up in you and you feel like you need to vent it out through some mm-hmm. sort of like bodily gesture. Yeah. But I wonder in your case, so if you initially were diagnosed with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. I wasn't. Oh. I wasn't for I wasn't diagnosed until I was 19. And so when you were, you were diagnosed with OCD, ADHD and Tourette's syndrome by a neurologist. It took all three. so long. Yeah. So until that time, I was actually diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And I, well, the reason was, is because at school, it was very obvious I had anxiety issues. However, um, when I was a kid, I was always very social. So if a kid asked me, why are you doing that with your eyes? Why are you doing that with your face? I would always try to hide it so bad. And then I would come off the bus and let all my ticks out at home and sometimes have like almost like rage attacks when I would get home off the bus because it was so um, unbelievably overwhelming, like the sensation of holding in all those ticks at school. So like my family would be very confused. I wouldn't do it in front of my friends, but I would have to let it out eventually and it would be at home and my parents would have to deal with like terror like for six hours and then at school I was perfectly fine getting good grades hanging out with my friends you know being like a normal kid but then when I get home it would be different so, so. there'd be like a, a pile up like a queue almost of all these ticks that you're you're holding back mm-hmm. and then when you get home you kind of let let them the out floodgates open and um, my dad he has told me the story of um, this one time I went to a water park with my friends and I was like yep I'm all good but they could tell that I was feeling off towards the end and I went down to the basement my dad looked in through the window because sometimes there's windows and I was letting all my ticks out I was just doing the the movements over and over and over and they were like oh there's something going on here (laughs) like um like she's definitely not like it's not a behavioral thing like a lot of um psychologists would mis not mis not misdiagnosed but kind of um they would say oh it's a behavior because she can control it at school but when she gets home like she's just letting it out but like I would do this what like I would just do it in private you know and I felt comfortable around my family so I would let it out 
type thing. So, yeah. right, so the psychologist doubted that it might be Tourette's because where the symptoms are, are meant to be involuntary, you seem to be able to control it to some degree, at least in holding it back for a while. Yes. Uh, if I'm not in, that's actually changed. So um, now I have, it's worse than when I was a kid. But um, when I, when I was a kid, I was kind of able to control it unless I was in a, a crisis, like anxiety state. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So with something like obsessive compulsive disorder, mm. uh, aside from the rituals that you go through in yeah. order to protect yourself from some sort of irrational belief, mm -hmm. there's also compulsions, right? Yes. For these specific rituals, which might involve certain behavioral tics. So how did they diagnose yeah. you with with both obsessive compulsive and Tourette's and make that distinction that you might have both, couldn't your tics just be attributed to OCD as part of like the rituals of what you're doing? Um, no. So I have like with OCD, there's like heavily obsessive thoughts. Like yeah, you can have, have intrusive thoughts. Yeah, You can have yeah. intrusive thoughts or you can have like heavily intrusive, like, um, lots of compulsions. I've always had obsessive thoughts and a lot of control over the compulsions. So, however, um, my compulsion was often to ask if I'm okay. Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? And I would probably ask this 50 to 100 times a day. So Mentally I was, or verbally? Verbally. To yourself? To my parents at oh, the time. Okay. Um, I would constantly... Um, so I've gone through many of obsessions throughout the years and they all have to do with health. Um, so the first one was, um, throwing up. Uh, I would ask, am I going, going to throw up? Am I going to puke? Am I going to puke? Am I going to puke 50 times a day? Um, however, that's not necessarily seen as a typical compulsion, but that was the only thing that would kind of relieve the 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 Pressure. fear yeah yeah the anxiety so those were different than going like like it had nothing to do with like me throwing up or anything like that like me doing the eye widening wouldn't doesn't correlate with me trying to not throw up if that makes sense okay so what you're saying is that your Tourette's tics were not associated to the intrusive thoughts that usually came with rituals of behavior that's common to OCD. Mm -hmm. Or, for example, another one was I was really afraid of being poisoned for, like, a year. And um, I, um, like, couldn't, like... So I, I did dance for a really long time, and it was very high pressure. And there was, um, like, hair gel that I had to use in my hair. And I was so afraid that the hair gel was going to poison me that I, like, would almost believe that, like, oh, if I got, like, a speck in my mouth, I was dead, you know? So I would do all sorts of things to avoid touching my head. But that wouldn't necessarily um, have anything to do with my arm jolting or, like, my fingers, like, shaking or whatever. Or the eye widening and the head movements and facial most of my tics are on my face 
Um, but yeah, those had nothing to do with um, the OCD part of it. Right. Yeah. And for anybody listening and thinking about how this might feel, I've said this on the show before when I've spoken to other people who've talked about ADHD mm -hmm. and autism and whatnot, mm -hmm. is that these sorts of conditions are just exaggerated symptoms of what most of us have some familiarity with. Mm -hmm. So anxiety is just like a heightened state of discomfort and fear, sometimes irrational. And then these tics, I mean, I have some personal experiences mm -hmm. because I do ex I do have a general pretty good state of anxiety mm -hmm. throughout my life. So I know that feeling that you're talking about of having like a pressure to do something yeah. to relieve a specific anxiety. Yeah. And it only makes sense to you. Like I got to crack my knuckles or it feels like my hand's stiffening up and, mm -hmm. and it won't move or something. So I got to do that. I got to like crack my jaw or I don't know, like it feels like it's locking just mm -hmm. like weird little thoughts like that. And I've experienced these throughout my life. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, it's never been debilitating to a degree that I yeah. need to be taken to uh, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or mm -hmm. an MD to, to figure out if there's something wrong with mm -hmm. me. But these are just really mild symptoms of what some people experience mm -hmm. to a severe degree, at which point it's debilitating. They get taken to a psychologist, and now they have to be treated. Yeah, there's also like two types of tics, and um, like one of them is that pressure feeling which I've had most of my life um another one that I'm sure you've like kicked your leg in your sleep or like you've been like half awake and your body jerks yeah involuntary movements so like yeah that yeah. that's kind of what like another type of tick feels like yeah. or like you're about to sneeze you constantly feel like you're about to sneeze but like it's something else you know what I mean so just just things like that, sensations like, oh, you have to yawn, oh, 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 like the only thing that's going to make that feeling go away is if you yawn or if you sneeze or whatever. That's kind of what it feels like. That's how I like to describe it to people. Yeah, yeah. so the, this is usually part of the symptomology, symptomology of Tourette's that's called hyperkinesis, which mm -hmm. is just these exaggerated movements and like jolts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with your uh you know your your motor cortex and your brain and mm -hmm. your uh part of your somatosensory system so it's mm -hmm. it's just something that is in your brain that produces these extra movements mm -hmm. and i wonder for you now that you are in sex work mm -hmm. does your symptomology at all interfere with your ability to work and how do you manage that um, so I have like one story or two stories, I guess you could say, um, of when my Tourette's have severely, not severely affected me, but, um, have definitely interfered. So, um, I have this tick, sorry if I do it cause I'll, um, I, when I talk about it, sometimes it comes out. Um, I I've, like, I've heard about this. Yeah. So sweet Anita talks about this as well. Like you can't yeah. say, for example, in her case, like bananas, cause then she'll just get, keep repeating bananas and it becomes painful. Yeah. No, like there's So there's certain triggers. Things. There's certain triggers, right? There's another one where if you see someone else doing a tick, you repeat it. Or like if someone is like, has like a interesting voice or like says something weird, I'll, I'll sometimes say it and it will sound really rude. Like. 
if you're like like you're mocking them yeah like i'm mocking them yeah so it's like kind of like i have that but my biggest tick that is like the one that interferes with my life the most is actually this like dry heaving tick um so it's like literally it looks and sounds like i'm going to and feels like i'm gonna throw up but nothing has ever come out like my eyes are watering i'm like like it, it looks really bad so um uh there was one time when i was massaging someone's back i wasn't even doing anything sexual at this point but i had the feeling um it was at the old spa which um wasn't as understanding as this new spa um i came into work feeling like i can tell like this is going to be a bad day i feel the feelings of my body like it's going to be horrible so i was massaging the back i was grinding my teeth because it, it's a feeling that just starts in your throat and um now that i've had more recent um help um for example i go see a a CBIT specialist who's someone who helps reverse ticks. you can do things like um to reverse this gag dry heave tick is like sniff and like i was sniffing and stuff like that just to try and help this dry heave go down but eventually i just like it just i couldn't help it and i was like like gagging over this poor man and um he was like are you okay oh my god i'm like I couldn't, I can't even talk when I'm in the state. I'm like, so I just go out of the room. I lie down. I let myself gag. Like there's no, like I'm just gagging and gagging and gagging like in the room beside this man. And then next minute I'm fine. I'm like totally fine because I've let out this, um, this massive, um, episode of what I needed to let out. I go back in. I'm like, I'm fine. They're like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I have Tourette's. I'm really sorry. You're not gross or anything. So I finished the session. I was like, honestly, I'm really embarrassed. I'm really sorry. I'm so embarrassed about this. Um, and they tipped me a hundred dollars and they're like, it makes you you. And I was like, okay. That's he's pretty nice. He's never seen me again. <laughs> but, you know, it was like not the worst thing in the world. Uh, but yeah, I find like in the sex industry when there's less, like there's less pressure, I feel like, cause people are just mostly nice. There's less pressure to not have Tourette's, if that makes sense. Like I, I hear you. Cause I, yeah. I think that one of the appeals of what's happening with sex work now yeah. is that it's becoming a lot more humanized. Yeah. Right? So, like, people kind of want a more human interaction. Like, the girlfriend experience, for example, has become hugely popular. People want genuine interactions. Yeah. And it's no longer seen as an entirely transactional approach. Like, hi, I'm here paying for sex. Now it's seen yeah. more as, like, hi, I'm here paying for emotional labor, your time, conversation. Yeah. And I want to see real human parts of you. And exactly. sometimes that means things that we would otherwise classify as imperfections. Mm -hmm. It makes the experience that much more rewarding because now they're seeing another mm -hmm. human rather than this you know sort of i don't know how to how to say because i was gonna say service provider but that's what you are yeah but i mean in an objectified sense yeah like i find the business like most of the people in the business very accepting because i find a lot of people have like different issues different issues different ways of life 
obviously it's not a conventional way of life. So you have to be an accepting person to be in the business in general. So like coworkers, very, very understanding. My current boss, very understanding. So there's less pressure to like if I do have a tick, like it's not so detrimental. So that in itself takes away the urge. So uh, for example, I was actually, um, I'm a nursing school dropout. Uh, (laughs) I tried to like live a normal life for a little while when I thought I had my Tourette's under control. But I moved up north to a community that is like not accepting, was very racist to like native people. And very, I've never been bullied until I went um, to this college um, to pursue nursing. And, like, even my teachers, um, they'd be like, oh, you're not going to be a good nurse if you um, are gagging. Like, if you gag once during your practical, you're done. And, like, I was getting 90s in the class. But um, when it came to practicals, I I had to leave because I was like, you know what, I've already been to school I've already like been in the real world and no one has treated me like so garbage and my Tourette's got so bad this year because there are so many people being like oh don't have Tourette's don't have Tourette's during a presentation don't da 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 so a lot of it is like being accepted and like being like it's okay to tick is like part of it so in the sex business it seems like more lenient that way but yeah, like right. So when you feel this kind of like pressure inside you yeah. to to have a tick, then the added pressure of knowing that the social atmosphere you're in is not going to be accepting or you can't do it mm-hmm. makes it that much more pressure to do it. Yeah, so, because it increases anxiety and anxiety right, right. is and a anxiety trigger. is a trigger exactly. Yeah. So like the more inappropriate, the stronger the urge. Yeah. And that that was my understanding as well from what I've heard Sweet Anita explain online. Mm-hmm. It's like exactly the thing you're not supposed to say, mm-hmm. she'll say. And she got in a lot of trouble recently because she was she was live streaming and dropped the N bomb live on air. And then people yeah. like there were divided camps. People were like, How dare you? And mm-hmm. and other people were like, hang on a second, you don't seem to understand Tourette's. Like it's not that she wants to say these things. Yeah. She's not even conscious of of saying it until it's already out. Exactly. And at that point, it's just something that was entirely inappropriate. And that, how much more inappropriate can you get than that, right? So yeah. it, it like it was literally like a high pressure mm-hmm. tick moment. And a lot of people who didn't understand came back later and apologized. And like, oh, I didn't know that that's how Tourette's works. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck do they think happens? Like, you just choose to, to no. go off like a sailor? Like, I know, exactly. Right? And like... It's, it's like, fine and funny when, like, my friends joke about it. Like, sometimes they'll say words that, like, they know I will repeat. But it's, like, it's not words that are, like, in a... I've never had the swearing one. I've always just, like, had words that, like, I just have to say back. Like, I don't know. One was, like, Abercrombie at one point. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, stuff like that. It's not, like, painful, um, but they won't, like, tease me about, like, the gagging, which is actually, like, a tick that's, like, it hurts me to have it. Uh, but, like, in school, people would be like, oh, don't gag. And I'd be like, okay, like, thanks. Like, so when my friends joke about it, it's fine. When people, like, I don't really know, like, they know, they don't know which ticks hurt me and which ones do. Like, I, I'm like, ugh. 
I don't like that very much. Yeah, obviously, because yeah. then they're putting you, you know, in a situation of yeah, pain. Exactly. Literally pain. And a lot of the time, like, when I was in the nursing world, um, I would go to the bathroom and let it out or whatever. And um, I had, there was only one time that I let it, I let it, let it rip, like, in front of um, my teachers who are nurses. And they called 911 because they thought I couldn't breathe, but I was fine. But, um... Because I wasn't doing that all the time, they accused me of faking because I was so good at controlling it. And they're like, you're using your um, your accommodations to get ahead and blah, blah, blah. And I had never used my accommodations. Like, for example, one of them was extra time. And if I'm gagging during an exam. Then you need that time. Then I need that time. But often, most of the time I was fine. So it, but because I was able to write my own room, like if I'm, if it's dead silent in an exam room, I want to scream at the answers at the top of my lungs. Like that's like something that I want to do or I want to gag or I want to um, slap the person beside me, which I've done. Um, so, you know, like it's situational, but I've like, when I went to university, um, they, were like very understanding of that um but then when i went to college it was so like different it was so different and i was like i'm not putting myself through this well i apologize on behalf of academia for letting you down yeah and uh creating a really awful experience for you yeah so that was a big blow to the confidence level but after that experience uh, my family ended up finding out about my porn, and um, I went full blown into the sex work industry. Oh wow! Yeah, so I was like, kind of like, well, how was that? Secret. Tell tell me about that experience. Your family finding um, out. Apparently, my dad was crying, <laughs> um, but my mom was like, "You're gonna ruin your career as a nurse. You're gonna." Um, like it's gonna affect your relationship with your partner it's gonna do this and that and like all these bad things like how could you do this I never imagined a daughter of mine getting into porn and like all this stuff and so she was really she's like are you a prostitute like just really um angry and I ended up blocking her for a while and I was just like on my cam I actually don't know how they They found found out out. however i stopped being like caring so much whether they did find out like my whole family knew that my cousin uh does porn like cc yeah yeah so they would kind of a lot of people were accepting of it but a lot of people were like oh she's too young she's so vulnerable blah 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 and i would be like no it's fine like she's fine she's fine she's doing good because i knew i was doing that but no one knew (laughs) yeah um but yeah, I stopped caring. I think I maybe commented on her thing. Family creeps her. They find me. It might have been like that, or maybe someone found it on Pornhub, you know? Like, I don't know, like, how they found out, but they ended up finding out. Um, so yeah, my dad was crying. My mom was really upset. And, um, I quit for about a week. <laughs> 
Um, because I was, like, so, like, traumatized. However, I didn't want to, like, quit the business. So, I started looking at other things to do. So, I looked at escorting. Not for me, necessarily. Um, but I was like, oh, a massage sounds like a good thing. Just because I don't want to be, like, penetrated multiple times a day. Um, or, like, give oral multiple times a day. Because I have a very sensitive immune system. And Tourette's gets worse when you get sick. So, well, speaking of which, yeah. would that also trigger your gag reflex if you are going down on someone? Mm, no. no, I would say not really. So, I I do have a sensitive gag reflex, but like so if, I'm if not. If you experience like an actual physical gag due to something blocking your throat, does that trigger the experience of the tick? No. 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 Okay. So, yeah, I would say the Tourette's gag and the, like, because a gag is just like, you know, but, like, this complicated pattern of a tick is technically a vocal because it comes with a, like, a, like, I'm bending over. It's like a bunch of actions at once. Right. So, yeah, it's, like, completely different. But, yeah, like, no. it. It's it not triggered by an actual gag. However, if I have the feeling in my throat, like I'm going to have that reaction, if someone to, were to like shove their cock all the way down my throat, like it would definitely like yeah, make if, it happen. If you yeah. had the tick simultaneously, then yeah, yeah, it could happen. like it would it would happen. Like if I had the well, I yeah. wonder. I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask before you came here, and I I, I didn't know what. Yeah. symptomology you had yeah i was gonna ask if your tourette's has ever been fetishized in your line of work no but yeah it's kind of hard to see how that would no um a lot of people think it's really cute if i've like done anything so for example um i i actually was having a bad bout of tourette's when i was shooting with foot guy james um, I was for the video, I was fine, and then I started um shaking during the the pictures, and he's like, "Are you nervous?" I'm like, "No, I'm just like, this is just like I would put my leg up, and it would be like, like shaking, like there's no tomorrow, and like, you know, like it's like, oh no, it's cute, it's fine, like you know, like people are just, I've never been fetishized by that sort of thing. However, I do know like a girl who is a cam model and she has a like a visible disability like her she doesn't have one of her legs and that's she she makes fetish videos right about at it. that point it's a lot easier to fetishize once it's like yeah hard to ignore mm -hmm. yeah but no i've never heard of like a Tourette's fetish or like anything like that so i mean everything can really be a fetish so mm -hmm. at the end of the day i was just curious if anyone has ever tried to fetishize your Tourette's knowingly in your line of work or even in your relationships? Mm. I would say no, although my partner thinks it's attractive. For some reason, like, he he thinks it's, he, like, likes, obviously he wouldn't want me to have Tourette's, but he thinks it's, like, an attractive quality that I have. Oddly enough, like he actually so he thinks it's adorable. Yeah, but yeah. he actually thinks it's kind of sexy, is what he's yeah, told yeah, me yeah. before. But I don't think that's like fetishizing me, because if you could take it away, he would. And like honestly, like people are like, oh, like I would never take away my Tourette's or my 
whatever, you know, because it makes me me. Personally, I would. Like, I, I would. Because it, it makes my life hard. But, and, like, it's embarrassing. And maybe it's, I wouldn't take away the experiences and, like, the... What you've learned. What I've learned from it. But, like, yeah, I would I would get rid of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then before I let you go, what yes. I usually ask at the end is if you have a fun sexy outrageous story that you want to share for the listeners um i i can kind of go back to one it's like a recent thing it's just in my head so um it kind of like involves my partner's like realization about some things in the business so he's like newer than me um to actually working with other models so me lola and him filmed a double handy and to most guys to all like a lot shout, of guys shout out to miss lola cheeks yeah i know she's and shout she, out previously to foot guy james foot guy james yeah and prawn Strar, who's my partner um we were all doing a, like a shoot where we were giving giving a double handy like someone had paid for like a custom for that um and like we had to do like come play or whatever um, so, like, a lot of guys would be like, yeah, like, that's great, like, getting jerked off by two girls, but he told me at the end, he was like, it didn't even feel like I've I've done anything with, like, multiple partners, because it was so, like, business. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, we, but, like, it was, like, a very different dynamic, so I think that, like, a lot of people who are in the sex industry or people who think about people who are in the sex industry think that every time you have an interaction with someone, it's so, like, deep. Like, when you're filming with someone who isn't your partner, it's so, like... Sexy and hot. Sexy and, and hot. But, like, literally at the end, we are like, wow, that was great. And uh, Lola and I, like, held hands, like, in the come we're like yeah that was so good like that will look really good for this particular fetish and like it was so like it's work yeah at the end of the day it's just work and um yeah like you would think that as a in this sort of lifestyle that things are like wild and crazy but it's really yeah it's just work well, at the end of the day when you're concerned about performance then that yeah. comes into play and it'll disrupt your ability to kind of engage in the sexual mm -hmm. acts as you otherwise would in the absence of a camera yeah exactly and of course in um the massage industry um you can have experiences that are very intimate um but that is hard to come across <laughs> like i think i only have one client where it's like we actually vibe out of everybody yeah the 10 i see a day there's like one in total that is like a very natural thing so it, it's it's very it's very it's a strange it's a strange industry for sure all right yeah well before we end the episode this is your chance to plug away where can people find you if you want to be found shout out all your things Okay, so you can find me on Instagram at technically Lulu, and then on Twitter as Lulu Official, spelled L O O L O O, and then you can book me at Flirt. Awesome, Lulu, and also 
MFC Lulu XX. So thank yeah. you so much, Lulu, for your time. Thank you. You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking.